This was a different week for me. Actually, yes. Um, March of 1933, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt began what he called, or what, what, what a radio um, announcer began calling the fireside chats. And this week, as I was preparing to, to, to preach on um, 1 Thessalonians, it's just three verses, 19, 20, 20, uh, two, four verses, 20, 21, 22. It just kept resonating with me as I was reading through and studying the scripture. That sometimes I've thought back in my life when I thought God was not speaking to me. And I'd pray, and I'd pray mainly when there was going through some, you know, some significant trouble. And I'd say, you know, God, where are you? Where are you? I don't hear anything. I don't feel you. I certainly can't see you, but I don't feel you, and I don't hear you. And, I, and I, it just became so plain this week that all I need to do to have a conversation, and I don't mean just a conversation, I mean an intimate and personal conversation, is to pick up this word and read it. Because God is speaking. He is speaking through his word. And, and, and to, me, to me, this week, this wasn't just a word that I wrote that is, is general knowledge, that is some sort of a, of a guidebook or a manual. What I was reading this week was a personal letter from God addressed to Tim Henley. And I thought, how do I convey that to people? We read through Scripture so much, and it seems like, yeah, it's a great thing, and, and we gain some knowledge and some wisdom from it. But do you recognize that if you are pining to hear from God, it is one Step away to open his word and read it as if it is God sitting in the room with you, chatting with you, and giving you who he is, what he expects, what he's promised you, how things are going to turn out in the end, all of the things you need to know about your life. God's speaking. Sometimes when you pick it up, you, read, you feel like you're reading someone else's mail. Hopefully not. This was written for you, to you, by God. And so, in the theme of that, and to hopefully get that point across in a practical way, this is going to be a different kind of a sermon, and I was a little concerned that it might be, some people might feel like it's irreverent, or that it is, would offend someone. Because I'm going to speak for God. And I thought, wow, that's kind of somewhat pretentious, and I definitely need to be careful. And it's not here to entertain you. It's, it's, it's not here um, for some dramatic purpose. But I want you to recognize that, in essence, God says you are now my children. Son, step into my office. We need to chat. And that God is as intimate and as personal with you as that. That Jesus Christ, sacrifice on the cross, opened up 
the Holy of Holies, so that you could come all the way up to the throne of the Father and say, Abba, Daddy. So hopefully this won't offend you, and hopefully this will work. And I, I actually tried hard to prepare this sermon a different way, and it wouldn't work. So I guess this is it. So you want to be transformed, do you? Tim, step into my study. We need to have a talk. So you want to be transformed. And I know you guys call that, I know you call it a lot of different things, trying to follow my rules, and, and you call it trying to walk the Christian walk, and you call it trying to be more moral, and you call it trying to be just a better person. But let me tell you what it really is. It's me changing you back. And it's a gift from me to you. And I, and I saved you, and I sent you my son, and he died for you, and it forgave all of your sins when you accepted him and you became one of my children. And you recognize what that means, to be one of my children. Well, with that comes an enormous amount of privileges. Because not only did I love you enough to die for you, to forgive your sins that, that could not be ignored because I am awesomely holy. So you needed your sin problem taken care of. And so when my son died, he took upon himself your sin. I can now have relationship with you because your sins have been removed and you are covered with the righteousness of my son. But now here you are, and, and you've been saved, and you're wondering, how do I go from here, right? And, and you try, and you're trying hard. Unfortunately for you, you fall into the same trap that your predecessor, Adam and Eve, fell into when you're trying to do things on your own, and you want to be the God of your own life, and you want to change, you want to be better now that I've saved you, and Unfortunately, now you have this thing in you called my Holy Spirit that convicts you of your sin. But I've given you that, and he's in there so that you can be transformed. But you just seem to default to trying it on your own. So we really need to talk. You know, I've written about this extensively in my book. I hope you have a chance to read that. Um, I've given you a lot of things to think about. There's just a few here. We're going to talk about these five points in your word, in my word. And we're going to see how they relate and how you think about them and are you really taking advantage of these things in your quest to be more like me. And recognize that this is a gift from me. Because I, I want that relationship with you. And the more intimate we can become is dependent on the transformation that occurs. Now, eventually, I've told you, if you've read the end, that I'm going to fix it all in the end for you. I'm going to completely heal you. I'm going to completely fix everything in your world 
And we're going to be intimate and together like we were meant to be in the beginning. But in the meantime, here it is, this lifelong now quest for you to be transformed back into the image in which I designed you, which was the image of Christ. And I know it's hard. And I know you struggle with it. And again, I know you try to do it on your own and you find out that that does not work. But I've given you some tools, and we're going to talk about some of those tools that I've given you, some of the things that you have for me to help you on this path to be transformed back to the image of Christ. Let's take a look at this first one. I wrote it down in a letter that I had my servant Paul write to a church, but I wrote it really for all of you. And here it is, part of it. Do not quench my spirit. Do not quench my spirit. And think, well, what does that really mean? Well, quench is a word that I used. It's spinumi, which is to extinguish or put out. And sometimes you guys, and, 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 I, and I put in my word, use the metaphor of a flame for the spirit, but I don't want you to think in that term right now. I just want you to think that I've put myself in you. I've put myself in you. And I'm giving you help in a number of different ways. But the problem is, I've also given you the ability to shut your ears and close your eyes. And that's what you do. Why would you not take advantage of this? I put myself in you, and I've given you a lot of help. And my spirit that lives in you brought you to salvation. He saved you, not because of the works done by you in righteousness, but according to my own mercy, by the washing and regeneration of my Holy Spirit, who I poured out richly on you through Jesus Christ. I wrote that down in Titus chapter 3 for you. And I also am here to give you something so that your eyes will be opened, and so I will give you a new heart and a new spirit that I'm putting in you, and I'm going to remove that heart of stone from your flesh, and I'm going to give you a new heart. And I'm going to put my spirit in you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. I wrote that down in Ezekiel 36 for you. So I put him in there, and he's there to help you walk in my statutes and be careful to obey the rules that I've given you, the commandments, that are actually gifts to you. And it's going to empower you, this, this spirit. It's going to give you the power you need to change. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. See, I promised you that you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And I've given you my Holy Spirit if you're one of mine. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, then you aren't one of mine. So you can know that if you've accepted my son, that you have my spirit as well. 
So it's empowered you. It's led you to salvation. It's in there to guide and direct you, but it's also there to teach you. By the anointing that you receive from my spirit who abides in you, then you will have no need that anyone should teach you, but his anointing will teach you about everything and what's true and what's a lie, just as it is teaching you now. So abide in him. This is my spirit that I put in you. I wrote that down for you in John chapter 19. When the Spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he speaks, he will speak from God, from me. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. So my Spirit is there, and he's there to guide you into all truth. So I have to ask you... Why would you quench that? that? That quenching to extinguish or put out. Why would you not use the spirit that I've given you with so many tools, with so much power to change? Why would you quench that? Why would you put it out? Why would you look the other way? Why would you not be using it? Are you going to use it? Are you going to rely on my power to change? Or are you going to continually default? to try to fixing yourself. I wrote it to the Galatians back early on. I said, you foolish Galatians, you began your journey in the spirit. You think now you can accomplish it in the flesh. I don't want you to be Galatians. I love you and I've given you my spirit. So why is it that you quench it? Because you're thinking incorrectly. For to set your mind on the flesh is death, but to set your mind on the spirit is life and peace. And so, I've given you this, but there are some things that you need to do. When When you're quenching the Holy Spirit, it's because you have a couple of problems, and one of them is your flesh. And when you're thinking about your flesh, you're not abiding in my spirit. But because of my mercy... I need you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice which is holy and pleasing to me every day, every moment. And then so you will no longer conform to the pattern of those around you. You need to have your mind transformed. Then you will know my will, my good and pleasing and perfect will. I wrote you that one in Romans chapter 12. Don't quench my spirit. Keep your mind on my things. If you've been raised with my son Christ, seek the things that are above, where where my son is seated, at my right hand. Set your mind not on the things that are down here on earth, but set your mind on things up above so you can keep the correct perspective because your mind needs to be transformed so that you can be transformed. And my Holy Spirit is there. If you walk in the Spirit, if you sacrifice on a daily basis your flesh, my Spirit will take control of your life and lead you into all truth and change you to the image of my Son. Don't quench it. 
use it. My Holy Spirit has been given to you as a gift, but it will only be effective when you utilize it. Do not despise prophecies. And I know you get this one wrong. Despise exenuth and eo, which is to hold in contempt or low esteem, to despise or find of no value. And so sometimes you do that. You think, well, I don't really. Yes, you do. And prophecies kind of throws you. Sometimes you think that you're talking about uh, that I'm going to give you the idea of what's going to happen tomorrow or that I'm going to prophesy, as you might think of the Old Testament prophets. But what I'm really saying is this. It's a discourse that emanates from my divine inspiration, declaring the purposes of mine, whether it's reproving you or admonishing evil, comforting you, in your affliction, leading you to salvation or revealing hidden things. Those are the things that I've put down for you in this book. Don't despise them. Don't despise those prophets that I'm bringing forth now, prophets who are sharing not things that I'm giving them personally now, but things that I've given them in here, and they stand up on a Sunday and share them with you. Do not despise those things. Do you? Why would you? Do you really want my truth? Really? Is that where you go when you need an answer? Are you really looking for my truth? And do you accept it when you find it? I know you have a problem, and, and, you, and you want an answer, and you go to my word, and then you read it, and then it doesn't match up with what you wanted to hear, and so you find something else that may tell you what you want to hear, or you listen to someone else. Do you trust me? Do you trust that the answers that I'm giving you are really what's best? I've given you my spirit to lead you into truth. Will you accept it? Or will you despise it? Do you avoid my truth when you fall into man thinking and start sinning? Do you avoid it because it conflicts with you? Do you avoid it because it makes you feel guilty and shameful? Well, I put my spirit in you to convict you. Not that you would feel shame, but that you would know you are off the path. Do you substitute your own truth when your flesh wants something else? Or do you substitute your culture's truth when it contradicts what I say? I know you want to fit in, but there's no compromise. I've given you my truth for your own good because I love you. Don't despise it. Embrace it. That's going to lead you to something else. Test everything. Test everything. Dokamadzo, examine to prove authentic or true so as to be able to approve or disapprove. So, examine everything and test it. All things, 
The whole matter of your life regarding spirituality, salvation, eternity, truth, test it all. Because there are voices out there that are wrong. And there are some things in the word that I've given you that are difficult to understand, and you're going to argue about them sometimes, and that's okay. Do it in love, but recognize that you have to take the things that are coming into you and test them to see if they're authentic. The question is, how will you test? How will you determine whether it's true? How will, how will you know if it's my words or not? Well, here's what I see you trying. You base it against your own experiences. That won't work. At times, you, you base it on how it makes you feel emotionally. And, and, and can this be true? And is this right? I don't feel peace, God. I don't feel things. Can I, can I trust this? No. Sometimes you listen to popular teachers and preachers, and you think, that must be true. They're telling me, and they got a big following. They have a large church. It must be true. No. There's only one way, and I was given the example by a group of people called the Bereans. And now these Jews, these Bereans, were more noble than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with all eagerness, my word, and examined my scriptures daily to see if those things were true. Test everything. Against my word. Test everything to see, does it match this? Now, in order to do that, you have to know this. In order to do that, you have to spend time with this. In order to do that, you have to have my spirit who helps you understand it. In order to test everything, you have to dig in and find my truth. And as we've heard so many times, if you will study the original, then the counterfeit will become obvious. Test everything. You're easily led astray. Frankly, you're very gullible. But I've given you this gift of the truth. Test everything against my truth. Now, once you've done the test, what are you supposed to do? That's next. First, find out what's good and what's evil, what's true and what's not true, and hold on to that which is true. Hold on to that which is good, proper, honest, and worthy. Hold on to seize tightly, hold fast, possess, and guard carefully. That's what that word means when I wrote it down for you. 
I want you to find those things from testing them against my truth and find those things that I put in there for you, the truth that's going to change you and help you and give you a guide and hold on. Because there's a lot of things trying to loosen your grip. Your own flesh wants what it wants. And sometimes it will despise those things. Your culture is telling you it's wrong. The trials that I brought in your life to fix you and change you will sometimes cause you to doubt my love and my sincerity. And so you need to hang on to those things that I've given you as true. Those promises. I've given you everything you need when things are hard. I've given you all the promises so that you can focus on those when the life that you're living is difficult. You need to hang on and hang on tightly to those things that have passed the test of truth. Here's the last one for you today. In this chat today with you, this is a hard one for you, isn't it? You've done the test and you've determined what's true, but there are some really tempting things that fall under the test, and you find yourself doing them anyway. Abstain from every form of evil. This is a tough one. Abstain to hold yourself away from or refrain from indulging in every form, meaning every appearance of evil, even evil thoughts and desires, as well as evil actions. Because your heart is still broken. There's still this flesh inside you. You need to read through my letter in Romans. You'll get, you'll get the picture. But there's still part of you that's broken while you're living here, and, and it's called your flesh. And that's the part that you need to be putting on the altar of sacrifice every day because it's still in there and it's still tempting you and it still craves your selfish, sinful, lustful desires. And so the only answer is to go back to the first one, which is to live your life under the control of my Holy Spirit. Abstaining from any form of evil in you is difficult. On your own, it's impossible. But I've given you my Holy Spirit. I've given him the power to change you into the image of my Son. I've given him the power to bring you through this journey from sinfulness to holiness. Sometimes it doesn't seem like it. But that's really where you want to be. The more holy you are, the more intimate we can be now. So abstain from those things. When the, when the temptation comes, I've given you the strength. If you rely on me to say no to your sinful nature and choose holiness. Holiness is something that I want for you. You're not capable of doing it on your own. This is a battle that's taking place in your life every day. 
You need these things in your mind every day. You need to question, am I quenching the spirit? Am I despising the truth of the word? Am I testing everything and holding on to that part of it which is good and abstaining from those things that are evil? You may think that you've gotten there. You may think that, oh, God, I see that, that you're, you're doing a work in me and I see the progress. And then the temptation to do it on your own will come again. And you will fall. And you need to recognize that you can never trust yourself. You can only trust in me. And the truth of my word and the power of my Holy Spirit to transform you into the man and the woman that you need to be in my power, in my strength, to my glory. Let's pray. Um, dear Father, this is a struggle for all of us, and most of us fall short the majority of the time as we go back to the pig pen and wallow around in the mud of our sinful nature. And Father, you've given us this gift, your word, and you've given us these promises, and you've given us the power of your Holy Spirit in order to be transformed so that we can find the intimacy with you now in this life that will grant us the joy and the peace and the fulfillment that you long for us to have. In the end, I know, Father, you're going to fix it all, but for now, this is a hard struggle. And yet, you've given us the answers to the problem right in your word. If only we'll go there for the answer and then rely on your spirit to put it into our hearts and minds and change who we are. Oh Lord, we, we thank you for the progress that's being made. We thank you for the progress that's already been made in our lives. But Lord, every day is a new battle. Help us to go into battle fully armed with all the tools that you've given us. And the only way we can do that is to surrender ourselves and change the way we think. The so Lord, thank you and praise you for your gift to us of doing that. And we just give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.